Chapter Fourteen of A Retrospect. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. A Retrospect by J. Hudson Taylor. Chapter Fourteen. Providential Guidance. It now seemed very clear that the lost property, including everything I possessed in China, with the exception of a small sum of money providentially left in Shanghai, had been deliberately stolen by my servant, who had gone off with it to Hangchow. The first question, of course, was how to best act for the good of the man who had been the cause of so much trouble. It would not have been difficult to take steps that would have led to his punishment, though the likelihood of any reparation being made for the loss sustained was very small. But the consideration which weighed most heavily was that the thief was a man for whose salvation I had labored and prayed, and I felt that to prosecute him would not be to emphasize the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, in which we had read together, Resist not evil, and other similar precepts. Finally, concluding that his soul was of more value than the forty pounds worth of things I had lost, I wrote and told him this, urging upon him his need of repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The course I took commended itself to my Christian friends in England, one of whom was afterwards led to send me a check for forty pounds, the first of many subsequently received from the same kind helper. Having obtained the little money left in Shanghai, I again set out for Ningpo to seek assistance from Dr. Parker in replacing the medicines I had previously lost by fire. This being satisfactorily accomplished, I returned once more to Shanghai en route for Swatow, hoping soon to rejoin my much-beloved friend, Mr. Burns, in the work in that important center. God had willed it otherwise, however, and the delay caused by the robbery was just sufficient to prevent me from starting for the South, as I had intended. Over the political horizon, storm-clouds had long been gathering, precursors of coming war, and early in October of this year, 1856, the affair of the Lorca Arrow at Canton led to the definite commencement of hostilities. Very soon China was deeply involved in a second prolonged struggle with foreign powers and missionary operations, in the South at any rate, had to be largely suspended. Tidings of these events, together with letters from Mr. Burns, arrived just in time to meet me in Shanghai, as I was leaving for Swatow, and thus hindered I could not realize the hand of God in closing the door I had so much desired to enter. While in Ningpo, I made the acquaintance of Mr. John Jones, who, with Dr. Parker, represented the Chinese Evangelization Society in that city. Hindered from returning to Swatow, I now decided to join these brethren in the Ningpo work, and set out at once upon the journey. On the afternoon of the second day, 
when already about thirty miles distant from Shanghai, Mr. Jones and I drew near the large and important city of Sanchang, and I spoke of going ashore to preach the gospel to the thronging multitudes that lined the banks and crowded the approaches to the city gates. Among the passengers on board the boat was one intelligent man, who in the course of his travels had been a good deal abroad, and had even visited England, where he went by the name of Peter. As might be expected, he had heard something of the gospel, but had never experienced its saving power. On the previous evening I had drawn him into earnest converse about his soul's salvation. The man listened with attention, and was even moved to tears, but still no definite result was apparent. I was pleased, therefore, when he asked to be allowed to accompany me, and to hear me preach. I went into the cabin of the boat, to prepare tracts and books for distribution, on landing with my Chinese friend, when suddenly I was startled by a splash, and a cry from without. I sprang on deck, and took in the situation at once. Peter was gone. The other men were all there, on board, looking helplessly at the spot where he had disappeared, making no effort to save him. A strong wind was carrying the junk rapidly forward in spite of a steady current in the opposite direction, and the low-lying, shrubless shore offered no landmark to indicate how far we had left the drowning man behind. I instantly let down the sail, and leapt overboard in the hope of finding him. Unsuccessful, I looked around in agonizing suspense, and saw close to me a fishing boat, with a peculiar dragnet furnished with hooks which I knew would bring him up. Come, I cried, as hope revived in my heart. Come and drag over this spot directly. A man is drowning just here. They been. It is not convenient, was the unfeeling answer. Don't talk of convenience, cried I in agony. A man is drowning, I tell you. We are busy, they responded, and cannot come. Never mind your fishing, I said. I'll give you more money than a day's fishing will bring. Only come, come at once. How much money will you give us? We cannot stay to discuss that now. Come, or it will be too late. I will give you five dollars, then worth about thirty shillings in English money. Uh, we won't do that, replied the man. Give us twenty dollars, and we will drag. I do not possess so much. Do come quickly, and I will give you all I have. How much may that be? I don't know exactly. About fourteen dollars? At last, but even then slowly enough, the boat was paddled over, and the net laid down. Less than a minute sufficed to bring up the body of the missing man. The fishermen were clamorous and indignant, because their exorbitant demand was delayed, while efforts at resuscitation were being made. But all was in vain. Life was extinct. To myself, this incident was profoundly sad and full of significance, suggesting a far more mournful reality. Were not those fishermen actually guilty of this poor Chinaman's death, and that they had means of saving him at hand, if they would but have used them, assuredly they were guilty. And yet, let us pause ere we pronounce judgment against them, lest a greater than Nathan answer. Thou art the man. Is it so hard-hearted 
so wicked a thing to neglect to save the body of how much sore punishment then is he worthy who leaves the soul to perish and cain-like says am i my brother's keeper the lord jesus commands commands me commands you my brother and you my sister go says he go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature shall we say to him no it is not convenient shall we tell him that we are busy fishing and cannot go that we have bought a piece of ground and cannot go that we have purchased five yoke of oxen or have married or are engaged in another and more interesting pursuits and cannot go ere long we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ that every one may receive the things done in his body let us remember let us pray for let us labor for the unevangelized chinese or we shall sin against our own souls let us consider who it is that said if thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain if thou sayest behold we knew it not doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it and he that keepeth thy soul doth not he know it and shall not he render to every man according to his works through midnight gloom from macedon the cry of myriads as of one the voiceful silence of despair is eloquent in awful prayer the soul's exceeding bitter cry come o'er and help us or we die how mournfully it echoes on for half the earth is macedon these brethren to their brethren call and by the love which loves them all and by the whole world's life they cry o ye that live behold we die by other sounds the world is one than that which wails from macedon the roar of gain is round it rolled or men unto themselves are sold and cannot list the alien cry oh hear and help us lest we die yet with that cry from macedon the very car of christ rolls on i come who would abide my day and yonder wilds prepare my way my voice is crying in their cry help ye the dying lest ye die jesu the men of man the son yea thine the cry from macedon oh by the kingdom and the power and glory of thine advent hour wake heart and will to hear their cry help us to help them lest we die End of chapter 14 Recording by Greg Giordano Newport Ritchie, Florida